You know, when you put different words, or you put same words with a different tune, it just really attunes your ears to listening to the depth of those words. Thank you, ensemble. It's really quite good. <laughs> I'm a little speechless now, but I'm going to keep on talking anyway because I'm supposed to. So today, we bring ourselves to the gospel reading in Mark. Mark is one of my favorite gospels because he gets to the point so quickly. Immediately is a word that he uses dozens of times. We're only in the first chapter, and already he's revealing things about Jesus that everyone needs to know. He's grabbing his audience, and he knows that it's important what he says, and every word counts. So if you would like to, you can turn with me in your bulletins or in your Bibles to Mark chapter 1, verse 29 through 39. Listen to God's word for you. As soon as they left the synagogue, that's the disciples, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. He meaning Jesus. Jesus came over, took her by the hand, and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening, at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick and possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door. He cured many who were sick with various diseases, cast out many demons, and they would he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew who he was. In the morning, while it was still very dark, Jesus got up and went out to a deserted place, and he prayed. And Simon, his companions, he was gone so long, had to hunt for him. They found him, and when they did, they said, Everyone is searching for you. Jesus merely answered them, let us go to the neighboring towns, so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came out to do. Then he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message to the synagogues and casting out demons. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This story is so Los Angeles. I was at Sprinkles Cupcakes sitting next to the fountain at the Grove, and I saw a paparazzi come upon Anderson Cooper trying to eat lunch peacefully at one of the nearby outdoor restaurant venues. After the paparazzi took a few quick pictures and texted some of his friends, not one, not two, but six other paparazzi came to disturb Anderson Cooper's peace. Well, Anderson Cooper is very nice, as we all know. And he said hello to his adoring fans and took the photographs that were needed. And the paparazzi took this as a thank you and moved on. Such is a life of the rich and famous. Something I will only catch a sliver of as I walk through Lacey Park and see my youngest disciples. A little wave, a little high five, and some giggles. I would rather have my kind of fame than Anderson Cooper's kind of fame, and even more so, Jesus's kind of fame. The scripture describes Jesus's ability to handle these paparazzi and adoring fans from village to village where he went with ease. Oh, Jesus, you're so amazing. 
There was a line out the door everywhere he went when he was speaking. He still spends time with every one of them. If there are too many people gathered, well, he'll just climb up on a hill, as in the Sermon of the Mount, so that everyone could hear and see him. If there were too many because he had spoke too long, he would just feed them, like in the feeding of the 5,000. He even combats haters with questions only the Son of God could combat. In our scripture for today, Jesus heals Simon's mother-in-law. Some who, who were sick, some who were demon-possessed, and those who were sick with various diseases. They don't go into great detail about what everything was, but we can imagine what unhealthy looks like. The whole city, it seems. I mean, what else is there to do in a small village? But the whole city, it seems, to be in the house or peering inside the house to catch a glimpse of Jesus and to see one of his healings. Healing is a powerful witness to God's power. I know each one of you have felt healing in some way, shape, or form. Whether it was so minute as cutting your finger and your mother came and band-aided it up. Or it could be a lifelong disease. And maybe there wasn't full healing, but there was some healing. It could be in a different realm, like the healing of a relationship. Or I even saw a commercial this week, I think it was for a cell phone company, and it was three different kids doing three different sports and falling. The ice skater would try and try, but she would fall. The skier, same thing, but they would fall. And the hockey player, same thing, he would fall. And we found them at five falling and at 10 falling and at 15 falling, but then they made it to the Olympics. And we saw that perfect triple threat beautifully done on the ice skating rink. We saw that goal from the hockey player and we saw the downhill skiing of the skier. It's amazing, but I just think of the love and care and compassion that was there in the healing all the way along for those people. So what kind of healing have you had or what kind of healing have you been able to give to someone else? Just so you know and can get into the my, right mind frame of healing is a powerful witness to God's power here on earth. As a young boy growing up in India, Philip Yancey, the author of the book that we're reading in our adult education class that I encourage you to come to the last session of, at least, in Fellowship Hall at 1015 on Sunday mornings. It's a book called Fearfully and Wonderfully Made that talks about the cells in our bodies, the skin, and so many different things about our biology that help us remember God's amazing, wonderful creation of you. Anyway, Philip Yancey, the author of this book, Fearfully and Wonderfully Made, idolizes his missionary father who responded to every human need possible. Only once did he see his father hesitate. He even recalls it with great detail in the book. When he was seven, three strange men trudged up the dirt path to their mountain home. At a first glance, Yancey says, these three seemed like the hundreds of people who came up to their mountain home for medical treatment. 
Each was dressed in a tan sarong and had a blanket over their shoulder. But as he, they approached, Philip noticed that they had differences. The blotchy quality of their skin, thick swollen foreheads and ears, strips of blood-stained cloth on their limbs. As they came even closer, he noticed that they lacked fingers and their limbs ended in rounded stumps. His mother's reaction differed from her normal, gracious hospitality. She took this pale appearance on her all of a sudden, and she whispered to her son, Philip, Run, go get Papa, and tell your sisters, go in the back of the house. He liberally took his mother's advice because, of course, he was a curious young boy, and he took himself a perch around the porch. His father looked even more nervous than he'd ever been. Three men were very reverent to his father, and his father said, There's not much I can do. But his father did what he could do. He took a roll of bandages, a jar of salve, and a pair of surgical gloves, washed the stranger's feet, applied ointment to their sores, and bandaged them. Strangely, they didn't wince or cry out, even though he was touching their sores. And while his father bandaged them, his mother got together some fruit and put it in a basket and motioned for the men to take some, take some, suggesting they take the basket also. But they just took the fruit, and when they had disappeared and gone up over the mountain, out of sight, Philip, trying to be very good and doing some chores, went and ran after the basket, and his mother said, Stop! Leave the basket. And then he watched his father burn the basket, wash the area where the men had been. His father washed himself very thoroughly, and his mother washed the three children very thoroughly, even though they hadn't come in contact with the men. This incident was the first exposure of leprosy, the oldest recorded disease and probably the most dreaded disease throughout history. And yep, Jesus healed that too. The blind, the paralyzed, the sick with fever, possessed with demons, and various diseases, including leprosy. With so many to heal, I wonder why Jesus didn't just wave his magic wand. He would have reached so many more people than that individual contact that he had. He could have divided the crowd into affinity groups and organized people doing miracles then and said, paralyzed people over there, feverish people over there in the back if you need something. He could have done it all in mass with a wave of a wand, if you imagine. But he chose not to. And that says a lot about what Jesus' mission was here on earth. If so, he, why would he have left so many people that needed healing? clearly wasn't his mission, but rather his ministry was to individual people, some who have diseases and some not, but he wanted to get to know them one by one, and this model for ministry is something that we should take on upon ourselves also. Something else I wanted to bring up is the authority with which Jesus is able to heal. We've seen in the past that there were priests of the Roman and Greek gods. We've seen even rabbis 
say, Moses said this, or Rabbi so-and-so said that. It seems constant that they are calling upon someone else or something else. But Jesus is acting with authority himself because Jesus, as we all know, is God. That authority is what casts out demons. That authority is what heals quick on the moment and gets the one-on-one things done. There's no mumbo-jumbo with what Jesus does. There's no calling on other gods or some throwing some, some dice or seeing which way a dove lands. There's none of that. Old wives' tales, though, some of them have some peculiarity. Some of them have some decency. Some of them have something for us. And Jesus wasn't just using old wives' tales. But I found one interesting. It doesn't have tons to do with what I'm talking about. I liked it anyway because it's particularly cold and flu season. So did you know that there was a study done with folks who, well, it started with a mother who was really disturbed about her child being sick. And so the child was sick and coughing, and she didn't have any cough syrup, and of course the drugstore was closed. What is she to do? She's got work in the morning. So she looks at that bear-shaped honey that she has in her cupboard. She says, that's a lot like cough syrup. Let's see if it works. She was just thinking to bamboozle her child, to think that the child had some sort of a a thing in its place. Oh, sure, it's cough syrup. That'll calm you down. Sure enough, the mother gave the, co- the spoon of honey to her son, and the child was fine. So they actually did this study. Out of 105 children, they gave some. It has, uh, cough syrup has a particular like medicine in it, of course, that's going to work. And so it gave the medicine and gave some of the children honey-flavored medicine some just honey and some nothing. It's the toughen up method, right? Of course, the medicine worked better than the non-medicine, but the honey actually worked more often than the medicine did. Wow. Healing is so interesting. It has a lot of different powers to it, but it all shows God's power in our world to heal. And I know the cold and flu season is coming around a lot, and so maybe just take that spoonful of honey instead. Going back to the scripture, though, there were those crowds who followed Jesus, and they were amazed because of the authority that he had, not using any magic formula or any tricks or mumbo-jumbo, but he summoned up power within his own self. And I like to say that he used that power in touch. The way that he touched people and lifted people up was so unique to what Jesus was doing. Jesus spoke with compelling authority, and he was there with people with touch. One thing that I noticed in the scripture that I wanted to highlight was the fact that when Simon's mother-in-law was healed— There was a little piece of the little feminist inside of me that got very frustrated. Maybe you heard it also. When Simon's mother-in-law was healed, the first thing that she did was she got up and she served. How dare she be, you know, limited to serving in the kitchen? She's a woman of the world. She can do whatever she wants. 
Now, of course, back then, they had different social mores, and yes, the woman's place was in the kitchen, but Mark is trying to get at something even more particular, and I think it's really important for us to hear it even today. All Mark is saying is that the kingdom work of God happens in the home. Jesus was healing in the home, and when that woman was healed, she started her work in the home, and if she is able to serve in the home, even more so is she able to serve in the world because she's serving and nourishing the people of her household. Those people, all of them, including her, are able to go up out of the house and serve the neighboring village, and the neighboring village is able to serve the neighboring villages from that. Do you see where it starts? It starts in the home. We have to be healed, and then we can go out and serve. I love how limitless Mark really made that, but I didn't catch it the first time. It keeps me remembering how much we need to come back to the scriptures over and over again and listen to really what it's saying. And I'll be honest, I got very flustered the first time I heard it, but I'm glad to bring you some information today. Within these few short verses, we learn something else about Jesus, that he heals with authority. He doesn't use any mumbo-jumbo, and the healing of a specific person was an example that he was trying to set forth of serving and going out into the world after being healed. But we'll also listen to Jesus's praying habits. Did you also notice that after Jesus was doing all of this work of healing people and being with people, what did Jesus do? He went off and prayed. Jesus knew that it was something that he needed to do to spend time with his loving father to go off and pray. And he must have been gone for a long time because the disciples in their tone, in their words that they say, where have you been? We have been looking all over for you. It's not that big of a town, Jesus. Where on earth have you been? And they needed him. I'm assuming that the villagers were knocking on the door of Simon's mother-in-law's house Where is this guy? I've got this person that needs to be healed and this person that needs to be healed. Pounding down the door. So I'm sure there was some urgency. But Jesus decides not to go back to the same town. They have learned the power of healing. They have authority and they know how to serve. It's time for Jesus to move on to a new town, but not without having prayed. Jesus is setting forth examples left and right for us. Or I guess it's right and left for you. No, I did it right. (laughs) We as Christians need to pray also. I'll leave you with this. Philip Yancey, to round out our story again, the author of the book I was mentioning earlier, he knew early on the damages that leprosy reaped. And eventually he felt called to spend his entire life, 30 years, or his entire career, 30 years dealing with people with leprosy. He formed lasting friendships, and he spent time with them daily. Of course, there were many fears and prejudices about leprosy that have since subsided. I mean, how many of you actually know anyone with leprosy today? Because of his miraculous work with others, medication, Leprosy is now viewed as controllable, barely contagious disease. So isn't this statement even more so? Whatever healing you were thinking of earlier, 
Through healing, we show that true life is brought to the world, that God has ultimate power, and God's power is shown through healing. Are we needing to be healed? Are we needing to have authority to heal others, just as Jesus did? Do we need to spend more time in prayer to get to that point? I'll leave you with those questions for how you are to move from this space into the next. Amen? Amen. Will you pray with me? Oh, can I pray? Thanks. Let's pray real quick. You guys can come up. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for being with us every step of the way, for being the true example of being with us and how we are to live our lives. It is such a ruthless world out there with so many things that are taking us from one direction to another. Let us know your presence. Let us know your presence. Amen.